think, you know, thought I had to do this to start small, go bigger, man. It's the same amount of energy and effort that goes into a big goal, if not less than a small goal. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. Back to the Wayfinder show. We got a really special guest today. Uh, somebody who uh, I guess I hope to aspire to be like as a podcaster because he's got a really great podcast. Been doing it for a few years. Actually, I discovered in doing my homework on him that he's had a couple of podcasts. He he had one that he started with about teaching people how to make six figures flipping homes, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And uh, the gentleman here is known as Matty A, Matt Aitchinson. So welcome to the show, Matty. What's up, Lou? How we doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for being here on the Wayfinder Show. Thanks for having so, me, man. Looking forward to having a great conversation and seeing where, uh, what kind of shenanigans we get into. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, can we start with just a quick, you, you got a lot out there so people can look you up and, and learn on your own, but just a quick touch on a little bit of your origin story, how you got to. In California, that's kind of my, my home turf and roots. And I... Like many people, I'm sure, you know, had some level of turbulence in their life. I got uh, expelled from high school. I got arrested in college. I was really going down, not necessarily the path that I said I wanted to go down to myself. And early on in my life, a lot of my audio and the words that came out of my mouth were not aligned with my video and my actions. And so there was a lot of incongruency. I was hanging around the wrong people. And, you know, it's a perfect, I'm a perfect, um, I guess, case study of you hang around nine other people that are drinking, smoking, fighting and stealing, you become the 10th. Um, yeah. And that's ultimately what led me into a lot of, you know, the challenging situations I found myself in. Um, but in hindsight, those were some of the greatest teachers and lessons for me. I know everybody kind of has those fork in the road moments that Totally. Uh, some people hit rock bottom and they they bounce back bigger, better, and stronger. Some people, you know, kind of lay down and they go down the wrong path. Unfortunately, um, I had some good mentors and, and good people around me that, you know, were speaking some leadership and wisdom into my life when I needed it most. Um, I'd always been a charismatic person, always had big goals and dreams, but my actions didn't always align with, you know, what I was saying I was going to do. Um, it really wasn't until I made that one phone call when I was in jail. And I was talking to my dad and I remember him saying, this mistake will not define you unless you allow it to. And what you decide to do when you get out is going to determine and dictate what kind of path and future you're going to have for yourself. And, you know, I had plenty of time to think and sit and resonate with that. Um, and I got out and I went and interviewed. I was a, still a freshman in college, went and interviewed at... 
probably 10 or 11 jobs the day after I got out of jail. And I ended up getting a job working for a small business owner in Santa Barbara. I worked for him for the three um, years straight getting through college. And he wanted me to take over his his kind of book of business. He was an insurance broker. That was my first exposure to kind of entrepreneurship. So I got yeah. a little bit of a taste of that, working my way from being a $9 an hour cold caller uh, to being kind of his right hand, you know, executive ops guy. And I knew I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted the freedom and flexibility that came with entrepreneurship. I wanted to, you know, at least be able to make a positive impact on people because I was kind of course correcting from a path that I wanted, you know, nothing to do with and wanted to go down a more positive and productive path. But I also wanted to be in an industry in a space that allowed me to build and generate wealth. Mm -hmm. And when I moved back to Sacramento after having a really expensive piece of paper and interviewing at a bunch of places for 35, 40 grand a year. I was like, yeah, this is not going to get me where I want to go and what my goals are. And I ended up finding on Craigslist, this was back in 2010 when Northern California was littered with foreclosures, um, an ad that said, real estate investor seeks mentee. Uh, Long story short, I called that guy off of Craigslist and I ended up uh, interning working for him for a year for free. And we'd flipped over a hundred houses that first year. He was clipping about 50, 60 grand a pop on these houses. I was making zero and Mm -hmm. I was learning the whole process and actually doing everything and going, I can do this for myself. So fast forward 12 months later, I ended up at uh, 21 buying my first house. Uh, It was the classic neighborhood cat lady house. Um, there was, I think over a hundred stray cats in the home. We found two dead raccoons in the house. Whoa. Uh, but I ended up netting over $106,000 on that first property, uh, using none of my own money. I raised a private money first and a private money second. And when I paid all of them off, I still had $106,000 left over. And that was kind of my light bulb moment as a, you know, 21 year old going, I can, I can do this again. And then I can do this again. And that what's led me down to kind of my real estate flipping journey, flipping a couple hundred houses over the next decade. And then I started transitioning more into commercial real estate, uh, buying boutique hotels and hospitality assets and medical plazas, um, because those were more aligned with my cash flow and my wealth building goals. And I'm sure we can unpack a little bit more of that. But turbulent start, course yeah. correction, a big part of it obviously was reinvesting and pouring a stronger foundation of personal development you know, being aligned with my core values, aligning my audio with my video, surrounding myself with the right people and just getting in the trenches and and putting in work. And, you know, the one thing that I always tell people about me is I'm not the smartest, fastest, strongest. I am just dumb enough to wake up every day and wholeheartedly believe in myself. And I'm smart enough to take action on the goals that I've set out to accomplish and achieve. And through course correction and awareness and constantly checking in and optimizing and adapting, you know, I've, I've found a way to uh, sniff out a little success. I would say, you know, the acorn, the, the uh, squirrel that's constantly looking for acorns every once in a while is going to stumble upon them. So I'm just another blind squirrel out in a field of opportunity looking for acorns and just through consistent activity and discipline, I always find a way to stumble across them. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. Uh, I definitely want to dig a little deeper into that, but I, I think the first obvious question that comes up is, uh, you know, that's great. You you did this 
uh, for free. You went and learned, uh, you worked for free for a year. And obviously that's, that's great, right? Oftentimes at that age, we're, we're paying to learn for something that's not going to reward us, right? By going yep. to college and all that, yep. or, or at least reward us nearly as much as you did with your first deal, <laughs> right? Um, but how did you, how did you do that for a whole year? Um, with my dad. So I was yeah. fortunate enough to, to, to live back at home with, um, I was going, my parents were divorced. So I was going back and forth between my mom and my dad and ultimately, you know, working off of IOUs and, it was, I knew that it was one of the things I've always been a big believer in investing in yourself. I started going to personal development conferences with my mom when I was like 12, 13 years old. So I started to see at an early age that if you do the right things and you're patient, that small, smart, consistent choices over an extended period of time can lead to really great things. They can compound into really great things. And so I've always had this mindset that is more of a crockpot mentality than a microwave mindset. A lot of people, when it comes to business, to entrepreneurship, to, to wealth building, to going on a journey, to get a six pack, to creating an epic marriage, whatever it may be, they want it quick. We're in the world yeah. of, you know, clicking a button and seeing a result very, very fast. But when Take you think about the greatest things in life, you know, just like the crockpot, it takes time for all of those ingredients to fuse together to create a really great dish versus what a microwave can pop out in 60 seconds. So I knew that what I was investing my time and my energy in was one aligned with my North Star. I was clear of where I wanted to go. Therefore, there's only a couple paths that really made sense for getting me there. And the vehicle of real estate investing was one of them. So I knew that by being in proximity, just as I was in proximity to nine other people, right, that were making bad decisions. And I became the 10th. I also knew that if I was to get in proximity to people that were building wealth, getting great results, had a great reputation, those were the, you know, um, potential outcomes that I would find myself in as well if I stayed disciplined and committed to that process. So that was my mindset of going, I'm giving myself 12 months to soak up as much info and experience and tap into this person's network and their relationships and their resources and their wisdom, because I know it's going to pay dividends and I'm going to capitalize on it going forward. And so that was my commitment. I, I committed for 12 months and literally on month 13, 14 is when I found that that first property. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, a couple of years ago, I started um, every year I take something new that I want to try. And I would say, no matter what, I'm going to stick to it for one year, right? So like when I moved to Denver, I wanted to run in the mornings and my running groups, uh, you know, here didn't have a morning group. So I said, all right, I'll voluntarily start the morning group for the head coach and, and get it going, going for a year. Now it's like the biggest group going. Now we also have a, a 5 a.m. group, right? right? Last year it was this podcast and now this podcast is taken off for us. And it's just like, it's amazing what you do if you just commit no matter what to one year. And that time flies, right? Oh, it just yeah. Flies. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were joking around, especially if you have kids, right? It seems like uh, the time continuum just speeds up every day, every week, every year. Totally. But it, it's true. And, and and I think too, you know, some of the sexiest results are due to the unsexy actions that people just decide to do over and over and over again. Success, you know, yeah. well, a lot of that stuff is boring. It's unsexy. Yeah. But it gets really sexy when you do it consistently and allow that time and that energy to compound and those results to compound. And, and I was fortunate enough to learn that and buy into that at an early age. 
Yeah. And, and I knew that, hey, if I'm going to be doing real estate investing for the rest of my life, and this is a vehicle that I truly see as a launching pad and a stepping stone to building passive income, to creating wealth, to unlocking financial freedom, to taking control you know, over my time, to be able to spend it and invest it with you know, the people and into the things that really matter to me, 12 months is nothing on this timeline. Right. So I knew that it was something that I was going to get a very high ROI on if I committed and stayed focused. And when most people were running around trying a bunch of different things and mistaking movement for achievement, I was just very narrow and disciplined and focused and had those blinders on that allowed me to stay as efficient and effective in that opportunity, which was what set me up for the next chapter after that. Yeah. I've noticed that about you in studying you and preparing for this uh, recording that, you know, the, your focus is just amazing. Well, we'll get back to that, but I, I, I want to actually touch on something else. You kept mentioning when you were making the best decisions and you, you know, that weren't giving you the outcomes you wanted, uh, that didn't align your audio and your video. You were hanging around with nine people who, you know, were doing the things that you were actually doing that, that did represent your video. Right. And mm-hmm. so as you made the transition, how did that, I would imagine, you know, that, you know, I know what it's like to grow up in an area where those, the things you were doing are actually cool. The people you're with are cool like that. You don't even see them as a wrong. Right. And yep. somehow you start to change, but like everybody, you know, is still doing the old stuff and it isn't there. Like how, how did you go about breaking free? And, you know, I, I I'm sure there were some pressures there as well. Oh, um, no, no doubt. I mean, yeah. that was probably one of the easier things for me to do, to be honest, when I know it's actually one of the hardest things for most people to do, whether it's a best friend or a group of friends, whether it's a family member, whether it's a parent, whether it's a spouse or a partner, I understand that different circumstances make that more challenging, right? So if I'm talking to a 50-year-old man that's married and he's got kids and he's in a toxic environment relationship, you know, friend group, that's a little bit different than, let's say, an 18 or a 19-year-old that has a little bit more flexibility and freedom to pivot without there being major repercussions. That being said, I remember hearing a quote that changed my life around this particular topic. And it was somebody that I admired. I was in a um, mastermind group. And you probably recognize this name, Mr. Gary Keller, who has been a mentor and and a very wise sage for a lot of people. And he said, I am a loving human being, but my standards are not. And when I started to think about retooling my standards around who I wanted to become, what I wanted to achieve, what that was going to need to look like, and then started building standards around my life and what I was or wasn't willing to do, who I was or wasn't willing to be around, what I was or wasn't willing to let those people do to me, it became something that the individuals who aligned with that really engaged in a higher capacity in my life and the people by me upholding those boundaries and and those standards naturally started to deselect from my world and as i had some conversations um i think it's always anytime you know somebody asks me to 
kind of break down what I did in that capacity. The, the easiest way I did was I just looked at my last 12 months. I drew a line down the center of a piece of paper. And I said, based on these goals and where I want to go and who I'm spending my time with, who is aligned with this and who is taking away from this. And I drew a plus and a multiplication sign on one side. And I wrote down all the people that I was spending time with or wanted to spend time with that were multipliers in my life, that added value, that inspired me, that challenged me, that brought out the best of me. And then I drew on the other side of the line, the division and um, subtraction symbol. And it was all the people that were gossipers and negative and distracted me and you know, were the people that ultimately weren't adding value to my life. And so that was a good starting point. And then from there, over time, it was just restructuring my calendar to reflect spending it with those individuals and reflecting, you know, the activities that I knew I needed to be doing. And I think one of the greatest forms of leadership, by the way, is calling people up to a higher version of themselves. And, you know, a handful of my buddies that, you know, I used to drink and smoke and fight and do bullshit stuff with, you know, most of them respected the journey that, that I was on. They wanted mm-hmm. the best for me. Right. And the people who didn't, it was, uh, okay, well, you're obviously not a friend, a supporter. So fuck you then, right? That was my, that was my mindset back then. And so, but I, as I had that conversation with people, it was, hey, these are my goals. It doesn't mean that I still don't love you, that I still don't respect you, that you're still not my boy or my friend. But this is where I'm focused at. This is what I want to achieve. And just so you know, I may not be doing the same things with you on Fridays and Saturdays anymore because I'm going to be working on these things. And if you if that aligns with you and you want to maybe improve your life or do some of these things too, I got a seat on the bus here for you, just so you know. And if you don't, I respect it and just know that you know we'll be spending our time in a little bit of a different capacity going forward. And that was a great thing because there was a couple of people whose lives were going down the wrong path as mine was before. And they got on that bus with me and their lives have become drastically different and better because of that call up of leadership to say, hey, these are my standards and my boundaries. You know, if you want to jump on the bus with me and go in this direction, I got a spot for you. And if not, that's cool. Just know that things might look a little bit different. And that was, you know, an evolution that took place over time. But now most people know what my standards are, what my values are right? And my actions, my world, my relationships, everything reflects that. Everything is congruent now. So it makes it so much easier by natural selection to Mm -hmm. attract those people into my world or to keep those people away. Yeah. You seem to naturally just uh, know who those people are when you walk into a room and they know who you are and, and you just gravitate towards each other, it seems like, right? Like magnets, it seems. Right. So it does get easier over time. Seems like. Yeah, it does. I think it's 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 being a good communicator, right? And taking time of still honoring and loving and caring about people, mm-hmm. but also having strong boundaries and not sacrificing your boundaries or your standards to make somebody else feel comfortable. And that's yeah. what most people do. They they feel uncomfortable making somebody else uncomfortable because of their own selfish goals or desires. But when you have good morals, good values and good intentions behind what those desires and goals are, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. And you should go after trying to achieve those things. And you should never let somebody else's feelings or emotions hold you back from taking the action towards those things. And unfortunately, most people let other people's emotions or feelings dictate their actions and what they do and don't do. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your your focus. Because I, I, 
again, in, in, in preparing for this, I found that you've taken, you've had a couple of different um, pivots throughout your life and your, with your businesses, right? But whichever one you go into, you seem to really, really kick ass fairly quickly, um, you know, really well. So and I, I, I'm guessing that it's attributed to your focus. Like you, you must have a hedgehog focus through it. And even though you have bumps along the, the way on the road, you still seem to just get through them and, and just stay committed. And, and you talk a lot about learning from all your failures and embracing failure for learning and, and such. Uh, how did you develop that focus? What, what what are some of the strategies that, you know, we can have to yeah, have that? Number one is a, a, is a clear picture of where you're going and, and what the, the end outcome is. Because if you're crystal clear on what that North Star is, the path to getting there, the routes to getting there reduce. And it makes it a lot easier to reverse engineer, hey, I want to get here. This is the goal. And this is the time frame that I want to achieve it in. And then you can reverse engineer a, a plan, a path, stepping stones to getting you there based on where you're at today. So we're really good at just getting crystal clear in what the vision is. And then kind of reverse engineering all the steps and things that go into that. And then, again, going back to I'm just dumb enough to believe in myself and smart enough to execute every day. And I surround myself with people that are way smarter than me and are big action takers and executors as well. Um, And selling them on that vision and helping them achieve that vision and their goals in that process is a great way. I definitely didn't do any of what I've accomplished by myself. That's for dang sure. I've got world-class people around me that are phenomenal, that I love, that I treat like family, um, and and who really have helped accelerate getting there. Mentorship is another one. I pay coaches and mentors and vendors who have great success to help me accelerate getting to where I want to go faster. So I have no problem um, paying for you know some of those cheat codes or getting you know, uh, the, the resources or the guidance that I need, because I know that it's going to be worth it. Um, and then the other thing that I think is really, really important is I have found a way to give people a window into my world and what I'm doing. And therefore it builds trust a lot faster. I mean, I've been doing the podcast for eight years And, you know, last year I raised over 10 million bucks for different deals. And most of that effort came from a couple emails from my accredited investor list, all people that have been listening to my podcast for eight years. And I didn't even have to sell them on it because they already know, like, and trust me. So, you know, the brand and building a community and and, and a connection with an audience, and you don't have to have millions of followers to have a seven figure business now. So those were things that, you know, have allowed us to remain very focused and disciplined in, we know what our goal is, we know what our vision is, we know what our values are, and we build out teams and execution plans that give everybody that's involved in that process the best chance to achieve it in the shortest milestone possible. I'm a big believer in velocity. And I think done is way better than perfect if we have the ability through consistent course correction and checking in and reflection and adapting and optimizing and tweaking to find a way to get to that destination faster than trying to build it perfectly from the start. So that's my thing. I'm a very nimble person. 
I adapt quickly, I pivot fast, and velocity, I believe, is a very key part in business and in life in general that the universe rewards people who who act within speed. And even if it's not perfect, if you're aware when you're moving fast, you can give yourself the best chance to tweak and pivot and adapt along the way. That's great. That's really good advice there. <laughs> I think oftentimes we get stuck in, yeah, just trying to get everything right. And then we get stuck in paralysis analysis or, you know, what have you. We don't get anything done. Right. And so. Yeah. If I you think, look uh, at all of the things that I've tried, man, there's more of what you might have seen as success. There's a lot of dead bodies and ideas behind all of those successful endeavors. I've failed way more than I have succeeded. That's for sure. But totally. I'm just a big believer in let's just fail fast. Let's fail really quickly. Let's yeah. figure out what works and double down on that. Let's figure out what doesn't work and let's tweak, optimize and test and figure out how to get back into the winning circle. So I just think velocity is is so important and just checking your ego at the door every day. I always tell people I want to win. I don't want to be right. So let's figure out what is required in this game that we're playing, the metaphorical game of business or the metaphorical game of real estate investing or whatever it is that you're trying to succeed in. Let's play the game to win, not to be right and figure out if we check our ego at the door every single day and collaborate as a team, we're going to be able to accomplish way more than one of us trying to do this by ourselves. Hmm. So you, you struck me as a guy who comes up with a lot of ideas, you know, and I, Just a few. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that, and you know, we're kindred spirits in that way. Uh, I think the difference is you seem to know to to focus in on one and just get really good at it. And I, uh, I I'm working on that. <laughs> but I'm wondering um, along that way, are there any that you know perhaps now that you you've grown some wisdom and experience, you you would reconsider going back to and. and- I think every every everything has led me to exactly where I'm at today. I'm a big believer in not staying anywhere longer than you feel like you should be there. So a lot of people are like, stay in this, you know, lane for, for 10 years. And until you do that, master this and that, don't move on to the next thing. And I think that might be the right advice and prescription for some people. It's just not for me, because if I would have stayed a realtor for a decade, it would have prevented me from getting to hundreds of flips faster than I did and prevent me from finding my first hotel, my second, my third, it would have prevented me from buying. So I'm a big believer in what is your core tree trunk? Chop wood there until Hmm. you master chopping wood at that tree trunk. And then think about the branches that could potentially spin off of that. But you better know how much wood you need to chop before you've earned permission to go and start focusing on all the branches. And I learned that in my 20s that I would chop half of the tree trunk and I would start going to try and chop all the branches as well. And that didn't serve me. I created a lot of mediocre, half good ideas that were half successful, but at the end of the day, didn't have a ton to show for. If you look at the back end of P&Ls and what was left over. But then when I really started in my 30s, narrowing in and doubling down on mastering what the business model was, putting the right team in place, putting the right systems in place. And, you know, I do, we do, they do, delegating those things off and building real infrastructure, real recurring revenue, a real business. Then that gave me the ability over time to start looking at other ancillary opportunities and 
you know, taking my eye off of the tree trunk because I chopped the whole thing. And now we're looking at chopping up all the branches that have some opportunities and revenue in those as well. So that was something that I learned in my 20s. I tried, I experimented, I failed. Now I've gone a lot, you know, deeper, the, you know, statement of most people go, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. That was my 20s. Mm-hmm. And these have been more focused on going a mile deep and an inch wide before I go into another rabbit hole of going a mile deep and an inch wide. Yeah. That wood chopping analogy is one I never heard of before, but wow, that, that's a great one. You know, I, a lot of our listeners are are folks who are stuck in this, right? Like they, they want to leave their W-2s, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've been working in, you know, I'm now in my late forties. So a lot of my peer group have been in the same jobs for 20 years and they just stick with it because they feel they have to. And, you know, they're absolutely miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and I apologize to all my friends who are listening to this, but I, I, we all know it's true. Right. And, um, I, I think it says a lot about just, you know, once you realize you, you, you're there, you got, you got to make a change, right? Like just recognizing it early, whether it's a job, a relationship, you know, a, a hobby, whatever it is, don't just do it for the point of doing it. Yeah, I think it it depends on the individual because when you think of age demographics and the narratives that were prevalent in programming those individuals, it's different from a baby boomer to a millennial to now a Gen Z or my kids and iGen, it'll be different for them. But I think we can all agree that we're only here for a very short period of time when you look at well, the Earth was, they said, 4 billion years old. Now they're saying our galaxy is like 14 billion years old. When you think mm-hmm. about our little timeline on this timeline of Earth, we're a freaking speck of dust. Mm-hmm. Like we're a fart in the wind. We are, you know, nobody will care about us in, you know, 20 years after our death, let alone 100, 200, 500. So to live with regret, that is one of my deepest fears. As, you know, I get and go through life, I don't want to live with regret. Hence why whatever prescription the programming was put and injected into me from my school, you know, from my parents, from my groups when I was growing up, I really had to, to check in and see if that was serving me or not. And I encourage most people to. There's a great acronym kind of model. It's called Point FAR, P-T-F-A-R. And it's your programming, P, your subconscious mind, leads to your thoughts, your conscious mind. And your thoughts lead to your feelings and how you feel about things. And based on your feelings, you take a certain action. And based on that action, you get a certain result. And then based on that result, it reaffirms your programming. Most people live in these loops unknowingly forever, and Hmm. then they look up in 50, 60, 70 years, or they're on their deathbed and they have all of these regrets wishing they would have done this or left their job or gone out and chased that idea or passion or left an unhealthy marriage or relationship. And so if there's something that is really not serving you right now, I would start with what is my programming and my conscious thoughts around this thing? And is it really serving me? Because if you feel crappy about it, you're taking crappy actions and you're definitely getting crappy results. And therefore you're reaffirming the programming and the thinking that continues on this loop over and over. So I think for a lot of people, whether it's leaving a W2 job, an unhealthy marriage, 
going after a goal, a dream, something. Man, we're here for just a short amount of time that there's no reason why we shouldn't be shouting from the rooftops for more and more people to take that risk and bet on themselves. Now, I will say this, there's a lot of ways to build in safety nets and a runway for you to feel confident and comfortable leaving an unhealthy relationship or leaving a job that you hate forever or taking a risk on an investment that you've been wanting to do. And that's just called strategic planning. I always like to start by telling people, first and foremost, before you make any rash decisions or big decisions in your life or investments or whatever, start by getting what I call the swan effect. What amount of money do you need to sleep well at night? Build that reserve account up first. That's stale money. Let's just assume it's going to get a very poor return, but it's going to give you a peace of mind, which is an ROI of infinite. Then from there, let's get a roadmap and a plan for how you're going to go about achieving what it is that you want to do. What do you want to achieve? When do you want to achieve it by? And what are the steps for getting there from where you're at today? And then we can start ranking, you know, what is a priority? We can start scrapping things that are irrelevant. And ultimately, you know, you can start looking at different ways to mitigate risk in some of the concerns and fears that come along with making big decisions in life. But part of, you know, going out and achieving extraordinary results is you got to be willing to make extraordinary decisions. And most people make shitty, boring um, repetitive decisions over and over every single day, expecting different results. And it just won't get you there. And I know you're going to ask me a question at the end of the episode that I'll save, I think, a follow-up answer to this, because I think a big part of this issue is what leaves most people unhealthy and unhappy in their lives. And they look up on their deathbed, and there's a reason why there's a best-selling book from a nurse that wrote the five regrets of the dying on their deathbed. And hmm. one of those is not going after your goals and your dreams and wishing that you would have bet on yourself. Hmm. Very good. You know, um, if we can switch gears a little bit, uh, you, you're wearing a hat says girl dad. You just have one girl. I got two girls expecting a third. Sweet. A girl too. Congratulations, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, you're speaking to a fellow girl dad, too. I have two Love girls it. myself. They're teenagers now. One of them actually turned 18 last summer. So I have an adult girl, which is wild. That's amazing. <laughs> and you survived, man. You're not dead. No, and neither are their boyfriends. So that's even better. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. I, I'm just curious to know how that has impacted your life. Uh, not as a parent, but as a businessman, you know, because um, I feel like having I'm surrounded by women now. Right. I'm I'm a ladies man. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and I feel like it's super humbling, like the way yeah. they approach everything and watching them grow into women, I think is just really, really making me realize like what an idiot I was. Right. <laughs> and I don't know. What have you learned from being a girl dad? Oh, man. I mean, so much, you know, you think you know what love is until you have kids. And then all of yeah. a sudden there's like a secret chamber in your heart that's unlocked that has yeah. a, a never ending tunnel, you know, to the, the depths of some of the most beautiful things that life has to offer that you just didn't know was there unless you're a parent and you have a kid. Right. Right. Um, so it's really changed my perspective, mainly around time and, and how I spend it. Um, you know, I have something that I call the family bunker. So 
you know, a bunker, meaning uh, if you're in war and you're hiding in a bunker, you're safe, you're, you're impenetrable, you're, you can't snipe me out of my bunker. So I build bunkers around my family time hmm. and make sure that my time um, is, is really reflecting my priorities. And if I said I got into business to have freedom, to be a great husband, a great father, a great leader, my actions in my calendar, right? My audio, my video better be reflective of that. So it really changed the way I look at time and, and prioritize my time and my family. And I really have found a way to integrate my, my family and my business lifestyle all in one, which has been really, really fun. So we homeschool our girls, you know, I get, I get to include them and expose them to, to business, to entrepreneurship, to investing, you know, to leadership, to having tough conversations, to all kinds of amazing things. So, um, that's been a, a beautiful, you know, opportunity for me to include my kids in that journey and expose them to stuff that not everybody gets to be exposed by. But um, there's one quote that I always think about from the perspective of kind of making sure that my values align with my time, which align with my actions. And there's a lot of people that get into business, get into investing and say that they're doing it for their family. And yet they do it at the expense of their family and they have poor marriages, you know, distant relationships with their kids. And I just told myself there, I will never be that person. Um, And so I'm a big believer that there's no amount of money or wealth or, or size of a business or an accolade or a reward that is worth um, doing it at the expense of your kids and your family. So I really wanted to make sure that I was, you know, teaching that to my kids and not just saying it, but that I was modeling it, that I'm not just a messenger, but I live my message. And and that was something that really became emphasized to me over time as my girls have grown up now. Awesome. Well, Maddie, uh, we're at that point of the show where we like to do our world famous Wayfinder 4. You ready? Let's roll. All right. So give us a hack that you use. I mean, there's so many different hacks that came to mind when I was thinking about this, because it really just depends on what people are solving for, right? Like depending on what you're solving for is where the hack input might come from. But for me personally, hacking my health the last few years has been a really big priority. So, you know, just by waking up in the morning, doing a cold plunge, doing a sauna and doing my red light therapy, not only is it the placebo effect of like, I know I'm improving my health. No, I physically and mentally feel 10 times better doing a cold plunge, doing a sauna, doing my red light therapy. It is hard physically. It is hard mentally. And winning that early in the day has been a total health and productivity hack. When it comes to the business side that our whole team is heavily leaned into right now, it's ChatGPT. You, in order to work in my office or be on our team or you know in the company, you you have to lean in and learn ChatGPT. It has been a 10x productivity increase from our team's perspective on systems creation, on marketing, on I mean spreadsheets, you name it. Um, 
AI has been a, a heavy focus for us over the last couple of years. And it is, it has been a quick hack to doing things that would have taken us days, weeks down hmm. to minutes, seconds. And it keeps getting better. It's just so pretty good. amazing. Yeah. That's great. The cold plunge thing is really taking off, huh? I, I hadn't thought about it in the morning, but it's something I've been doing for years and at night, just it started as a recovery thing. And after a while, you kind of crave it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of lot of studies around you do it in the morning, you do it before your workout. It's it's mm. better than doing it post workout. Yeah. Um and, and then that. there's I mean, I've been doing it for a year and a half straight. And I would say there's not one day I open up the lid and I stare down at that freezing cold water and go, Oh, I can't wait to do this. Every day it is a mental frog that I gotta bite and eat and get into. And I know that once I do it. Not only physically do I feel the reward and results of it, but mentally, I just won in a big way by overcoming a, a mental hurdle that yeah. um, really is parlayed into productivity and you know the the discipline going forward. Yeah, great. So, give us a favorite. This could be a book, a movie, show, music, whatever. For me right now, I don't do a ton of consumption. I'm, I'm more in creation mode. I have been in the depths of personal development since I was 12 years old. I've gone to every massive conference, uh, teacher, guru, personal development training that most people could probably think of. And so the last few years, I've been more in creation mode and less consumption. But there's one platform that I really enjoy consuming stuff on right now, which is masterclass, um, where they have, you know, oh, yeah. all the world's best of the best come in and teach on one of their particular areas of expertise. And I really enjoyed that platform. They've, they've put together a nice product. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've only seen one and it was, uh, the Chris Voss one, which was amazing. Phenomenal. I just yeah. watched that one not too long ago. Yeah. I could see that over and over and, and mm-hmm. fix it up every time, but yep. I, I should be looking at more of that. That's good. So what is some, uh, one, one, I know you have a lot, so we'll, and you also have to go. So out of respect for your time, one nugget that you would share with, you know, this was, this was a tough one. Cause there's so many pieces of advice that I think, <laughs> you know, I could have told myself a long time ago that would have saved me a lot of heartache. I think that the number one thing is just, just go bigger, go bigger. I thought I had to start investing small. I thought I had to do this to start small go bigger, man. It's the same amount of energy and effort that goes into a big goal, if not less than a small goal. So you might as well go after something so big, so inspiring, so motivating, so challenging that by going after those things, you're destined to get damn close, if not 10 times further than the small one that you're probably thinking is reasonable. And this is what we call ratcheting up your goals or your vision. And when you ratchet up, most people, and I was one of them early on in my journey, Most people that even set goals, which is not a lot of people, most people who set goals, they set very reasonable goals. Mm -hmm. But I'm a big believer in ratcheting up your goals and setting more radical radical or even impossible goals. Because by doing that, you really limit the possibilities of how you can go about achieving it. And it simplifies the process. It doesn't mean it's going to be easier, but it simplifies the process and the path by ratcheting up to bigger and bigger and bigger things. Cause there's only a few probable scenarios or ways you can go about achieving those things. So for anybody that just be unreasonable with yourself and, and go after radical and impossible goals and 
as you continue to do that and you consistently check in and find ways to get better, you will be glad that you went bigger because if I would have went way bigger, way earlier, I'd be way further than I am today. And I'm very grateful for where I'm at, but that was something that I wish would have learned a little bit earlier on in my journey. Yeah. I'm a big fan of setting really big goals, but like far out, right? Like something that seems impossible now, but what if you make it a five-year goal? Sure. You know, and somehow you, it, it becomes kind of reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, and it, but maybe that, maybe that defeats the purpose. I mean, I, th- I think, I honestly don't think too far out anymore. Life okay. changes so fast, so True. quickly nowadays. So even like annual goals, I've always been an annual goal setter. And then I kind of chunk it down into 90 day quarterly sprints. And then I break mm-hmm. it down into my months and week initiatives. But now I'm almost like setting annual goals in 90 day sprints, because mm. even when I set annual goals and I look back, I'm like, man, so much changed that some of those goals I set at the beginning of the year are almost irrelevant now because I either accomplished them so quick or something happened and that just, you know, that goal really didn't matter anymore. So I, I've really kind of just, I, I like to boil it down to 90 day sprints and really mm. focus in like 30 day chunks. Cause when we're focused and productive, we can cover the ground in 30 days that most can cover in a year. Yeah. Is there a system you use for that? You just kind of do use EOS. 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 Yeah. Entrepreneurs Organizational System, Traction by Gino Wickman, EOS, EOS Implementer, Coach, all that. And we've had an EOS Implementer on the show before. I did the show with Harvey Jurgen. It was very good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, So what is something that you would, that you think keeps people from being? Something that keeps people from being happy is either a lack of discipline or a lack of action. Mm. And those are kind of, you know, easy answers to say, but when you really boil it down at the end of the day, every human being just wants to be happy. And when you think of what generally robs people of happiness, I mean, obviously there's, you know, comparison is the thief of joy and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, that's, that's not it. It's you subconsciously being pissed off at yourself that you don't have the discipline to do what you said you were going to do, or you told yourself in your mind you were going to do, or to take action around the things you know you need to do. And so when you don't do that stuff, right, you lose trust with yourself, you lose integrity with yourself, you lose respect, honor for yourself, you're really out of alignment with who you really want to be. And and when you're incongruent with that, it's really hard to find fulfillment and happiness deep down inside. You can lie to yourself, but at the end of the day, and you can lie to other people too, everything's fine right? Like I'm good, but deep down inside the conversation you're having with that voice in your head, you know, you're a fucking liar. Yeah. You know, you know, you're not doing what you said you were supposed to do. And I know, and I'll just speak for myself. I know when I am not happy or I'm frustrated or I'm stressed out, it's usually because of a lack of discipline and a lack of alignment with what I say I'm going to do and what I'm actually doing, that lack of action. And I think those are two simple things that you don't need to be a rocket scientist to solve in your life. Yeah, And whether you're going after solving world hunger or clean water, or you're just trying to solve eating 2,200 calories versus 5,000 calories a day because you want to lose weight, it doesn't matter. It's about the stacking of discipline around the activities and actions you know you need to do to get the results you want. And that ultimately is what's going to unlock that happiness. And so that's just my thought around it. Um, I love I think it. it. I think, I think a lot right of that on. can be solved by... You know, you don't need to pay somebody for that. You don't need to go read some special book on how to do that. 
it starts with building up and getting repetition and discipline and action and continuing to improve. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you, man. I, I mean, today for me is a big testament of that. I, I'm training for a marathon and I had a big run today, a big workout, 16 miles with a lot of intervals in there. And it, I, I hit snooze this morning. And those 15 minutes cost me from doing that workout this morning. And I've been kicking my own ass all day because all day. I feel like crap. I, yeah. Because I it threw off my whole day. I can't. I couldn't do it because that 15, you know, I know how long it's going to take and I couldn't do everything I wanted to do today. And now I'm going to have to go out late at night in the cold, high winds and get this run done. And it's, it just doesn't get any better. But you got to course correct and get after totally. it. Or else you're going to beat yourself yeah, up, right? 70, um, yeah. Have you heard of the 75 hard challenge yeah. by any Yeah. Fella? yeah so I, the, the first time I committed to doing it, um, I did it. I did it to yeah. a T. No corners cut, no nothing. Yeah. Um, and then the second time I did it, I did it, but I was really lying to myself. I, yeah. I, I kind of was soft on this thing. I was soft on that thing. Major, major difference. Very, yeah. very close results in terms of physical outcome, but internally and where my head was at, yeah. I knew I was a fucking liar. I yeah. lied and said that I did it to the standard of which it should have been done when I didn't. And that's what most of us as human beings struggle with on a daily basis, right? Is we get just enough results to validate or justify, oh, it's okay. But really, like if you can be in total alignment with your word, mm -hmm. you're a very dangerous person. I call that being weaponized. Yeah. I'm dangerous when I'm weaponized and I'm weaponized when I'm congruent with my word and my word is congruent with my actions. <sighs> Love that. Well, Maddie, I know you got to get going. Give us a, 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 you know, wrap it up for us. Let us know uh, how people can learn more about you and, and, uh, or reach out to you if they need to. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the podcast uh, drops three days a week. We've been running eight years strong on that millionaire mindcast top 100 to 200 investing in entrepreneurship podcasts um, in the whole world, which is pretty awesome. And thank yeah. you to all of our amazing listeners on that. So we always welcome anybody that, you know, wants to learn wealth building, personal finance, uh, personal development, you know, to, to check out the show. Um, and then they can always head over to um, either if they're interested in real estate investing, Wise Investor Collective, and check that out, or um, you know just find me on social media at official Maddie A. I'm posting on you know stories and channels and content every single day, so that's always a good way to you know catch me on the fly, and I'm I'm consistently you know answering messages and responding to people. So if you hear me on the Wayfinder Show, say what up. Would love to connect. Yeah, awesome. Man, can't thank you enough for being here. What an honor and a privilege. Uh, you're doing a lot of amazing things and you're inspiring a lot of people. So uh, keep it up and thanks for being on the Wayfinder Show. Lou, thanks for having me. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.